so Natasha, thank you so much for joining me. I feel like you're on kind of the flip side of the interview here. I am. Yeah, because yes. you and I have connected a few times and mm -hmm. you've actually interviewed me. Yes. So this is my first time. A few times. Inter yeah, yeah. First time interviewing you. So mm. uh, we are in a little bit of a, I think the theme of this season has been awkward settings for recording. So the last time it was my friend's mom's house. And today we're in, I don't even know how to describe this. Like a, a record, music, room a music slash, studio, yeah, theater studio. at the old post office in Cambridge. So it's a super cool location. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm here with my beautiful monogram coffee. This is like my all-time favorite coffee. And you've you've elected to yes. bypass the bypass. coffee. After three, I've, I've had my you, you know your limit. I just don't so. make any sense after that. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank and you for I'm going to do a me. cheers to myself. Yes, so cheers. <laughs> Hi there, and thank you for listening to another episode of Talking with Grownups. I'm your host, Elaine Capagines. This podcast is brought to you by The Holistic Parent, a hub for natural health and wellness information geared towards families. For more information, you can visit our website at theholisticparent.ca or follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Holistic Parent Mag. So today I am sitting down with Natasha McKenty. Thank you so much for joining me. This Thank you is, for having this is me. kind of wintry day, but mm. we're here in this super cool space. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what's your story? Uh, like you said, my name is Natasha McKenty, and I have a background in broadcasting. I started uh, working at CTV in Toronto when I was 19. I may have fibbed and said I was in my 20s, so I would get hired, <laughs> um, which is hilarious now because I'd like to lie and say I'm younger. Right? But I can't <laughs> it all comes it, full circle, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> I worked at CTV for 10 years in various different roles, in front of the camera, behind the camera. I did acquisitions and programming. Um, the luxury of working for CTV is that they own several specialty channels, so it gave me an opportunity to really, you know, check out Very different cool. areas of yeah. broadcasting and, cool. and find out what it was that I wanted. Um, and then I got pregnant. <laughs> I got married first, and then I got pregnant, and I started having recurrent miscarriages. And it made me really reassess uh, what my passion was, and mm -hmm. my, and that was to become a mom, which is fitting for this podcast. Yeah, definitely. So I six miscarriages uh, oh later. Goodness. I had my first daughter, and um, I also had a stillborn before her as well. So. Uh, I'm leading into this to explain why I left CTV because I loved that job. Yeah. That job was, I will never replicate that experience yep. again in my life. I loved the people. I loved the experiences. The atmosphere was super cool Amazing. in Toronto. Um, but once I finally had that daughter, I couldn't leave her. Yeah. So Priorities I, change. They do. Right? They... And I never thought I would be a stay-at-home mom yeah. in a million years. <laughs> but I became one. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons, so you and I have connected on a professional level. So you currently work at Rogers TV mm -hmm. as an on-air on host. Is yes. that your job yep. title? Mm -hmm. um, and you and I have, we've worked together. You've interviewed me. You've been to a couple of my networking events. Yeah. So I I've been very, magazine. thank you. <laughs> I've been uh, very interested in your profession, like the profession that you do and, and mm. our uh, business connection. And then um, we sort of had a little communication on Instagram not that long ago. Right. And we sort of realized that our 
childhood and our backgrounds were not dissimilar. Mm -hmm. And um, specifically, we both moved around a lot as kids. Right. And we sort of had a little back and forth about the number of schools that we'd been to. And it was Mm kind of neat for me to connect with somebody because you don't meet a lot of people, like especially our age. Mm -hmm. I don't think you meet a lot of people who sort of had that experience. So that was actually why I wanted to connect with you a little bit more and kind of flesh that out a little bit and have have sort of that chat. So I guess why don't you just start by kind of recounting a little bit of, you know, what brought you to this point right now? So right back to my childhood? Sure, yeah. (laughs) here all day. Let's dive right in. (laughs) Um, So I was born to teenage parents. My father was 16 years old. My mother was 18. I was born in Petawawa, Ontario, which is an army base. Um, So my parents' families were friends and everybody knew each other. Mm -hmm. And so my parents grew up together. And then I guess at one point, you know, one family had, my mom's family had three children. My dad's family had six. So they all kind of just grew up together and hung out together. And I think at some point my mom and dad looked at each other and went, oh. (laughs) As you do. Yeah. (laughs) As teenagers. And without a lot of monitoring in the home, I guess, uh, they ended up having a baby very young. And um, to make it even more complicated, they 15 months later had my brother and 15 months after that had my sister. Wow. So before my parents were 20, they had three children. Ooh, and that's a lot. <laughs> both of their families were poor. So they there was no way for them to go home and say, I need help with this. And were you the oldest of the three? I was three? the oldest, yeah. So when I was four, um, so all of my siblings are born at this point, my mom relocated to Kitchener because they heard there was jobs. Mm-hmm. And my father followed not long after, and they realized they couldn't do it. They just couldn't manage. We were actually living on Strange Street. Um, there's a variety store. Yeah. On the corner of Victoria and Strange. Yeah. So and there's yeah. a little apartment above there. That's oh, where no we way. were living. Oh, yeah. my God. I know I know that yeah. convenience store. Yeah. So I think that's when my mom asked for help from the children's aid. Mm-hmm. And things were different then. I'm not... Uh, it is so different now. Yeah. I think that this would not have happened if this was in today's yeah. date, but in the 80s, yeah. she asked for help, and that turned into an assessment of the home, and the, we were actually effectively taken away from my mom because she was a single parent. Mm-hmm. So then she you know, took some time and, and proved that she could handle one child, and I eventually went back to my mother, and my brother and sister were given away. So that's the beginning of my wow. complicated life. And then, so not long after that, my mom met my stepdad, who I've known since I was four, and um, we kind of bounced around because they were very young. So they'd take a lease somewhere. And at the end of that lease, for some was reason... Was it all in the Kitchener kind of all KW Kitchener, area Waterloo, at this point? Yeah. yeah. And I, every year of my life, we moved. And yeah. I think looking back, it's because the lease came up. Mm-hmm. We never lived in a great place. So it was like, let's go find something better. Sure. And so I would relocate to another school. And I would sometimes bounce between my mom and my dad, too, which would mean two schools in one year. And where was your dad living at this point? My dad was in Waterloo Region. Oh, okay. But he was Catholic. So I would go from separate school to Catholic school. (laughs) So, yeah. So I've tried out pretty much every school in Waterloo Region, other than the new ones. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. So, but you were, the entire time you were in KW area. Yeah. So you were, from the time I was four, we stayed in this area. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, so I know there's a little bit of story with your siblings as well. So do you want to kind of bring that around to your siblings? 
So my siblings were uh, adopted by the same family, which I did not know my whole life. So when I was uh, 18, I was living in London, so I was taking television broadcasting, Mm -hmm. and I looked for a private investigator because I knew that once I was 18, I was allowed to find my siblings. Um, And I had no money. So I went to her and I said, will you help me, but I can't pay you. So did you always have a desire to reconnect with your siblings then? Yeah. Yeah. Like all... I. If you look at my diary from when I was little, I was constantly writing them, like trying to keep them on top of what was happening in my life so that when I found them, they could read it all because I was just on my own. I was an only child, so this is what I did on top of hosting my own show in my room with my dolls because that was my other thing I did. (laughs) Um, Born broadcaster. (laughs) Born bored weirdo. (laughs) Don't joke. So anyway, she was so awesome and she said, uh, go to the adoption disclosure unit and in Toronto and register and if your siblings register and it's a match then that's the easiest way to reunite for little cost because it wasn't very much to, mm-hmm. to register so I did that but then my siblings had to be 18 so I had to wait a little bit for them to turn 18 and I believe it was like six months after my sister turned 18 I got a letter in the mail and I had been working at CTV for two weeks oh, just wow. moved to Toronto all by myself I was terrified, and I get this letter that my sister's looking for me. So I, I was sitting at my desk, and I didn't know anybody in Toronto at this point, and I'm crying my eyes out, Aww. and they're all hugging me, going, who did we hire? This is, we thought she was normal. And uh, that was the beginning of my reunion journey. Amazing. So yeah. I heard you say that you, you grew up as an only child, but... But I wasn't an but only you child. Were, what, that's so I knew in my mind I was not an only child, but... But I was an only child. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your relationship with your family now at this point in your life? Um, so we've been reunited for several years mm-hmm. now. And I think we try to create normalcy through our children because they don't understand. Mm-hmm. We haven't told them right. the story. So, um, But there's distance between Nana and them. Yeah. And my kids see that. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's a hard, I always, and I think I said this in the last podcast, I always compare it to reading the book and seeing the movie. Yeah. That picture you had in your head is never going to be how Definitely. it turns out. Definitely. So, um, so one of the reasons that I, you know, I, I had heard this, um, you know, you, you were on another podcast and mm-hmm. I sort of heard your story and I just thought that was, it was so interesting. And, yeah. um, the way that you've created this very successful life with your, now with mm-hmm. your family and your husband and your kids and your amazing career, um, how did your childhood affect the way that you parent your own children now? I think, uh, and it's funny, I talk to a lot of other moms. I'm constantly asking other moms, how are you doing it? And, and, am I doing it right? I'm comparing myself all the time. That's literally every mother's words constantly, right? The feedback that I get from my girlfriends is always, you worry too much. Like, mm-hmm. that's always what I hear. So I think I'm a worrier. I think because I kind of self-parented myself mm-hmm. and worried about situations and worried about my parents so much that now I'm a worry. I'm a worrying parent. Right. Um, but there's certain things where I draw the line with, I will not move them school to school. Even if I'm unhappy in the house I'm in right now, I will not leave school boundaries because I just wanted so badly to, 
to, I had so many friends in high school who'd known each other since they were like four. Yeah. And I would have given anything to know that kind of bond, yeah. right? And like we've talked about this, you and I, there's a benefit to the bouncing around. There is. I can walk into any room and find a friend. I'm not afraid, yeah. right? So yeah. so networking comes easy to me yeah. because and I'm that's the, what we did. I'm the same way yeah. as I feel like because, so my background is very different. Uh, mm. We moved around and I was in, um, I was in seven different seven different schools in seven years um, between grade six and and the end of high school. Um, but for us, it was because of my dad's job. Mm-hmm. So you know, this was a point where there was offices all over North America, and every time my dad got a promotion, it was mm-hmm. at a different place. And we moved from you know Ontario to we've lived in Saskatchewan and Alberta and BC and down in the states wow. and then back again. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like because I think I had a very positive experience, mm-hmm. and it was always a new and exciting adventure and it was a bigger house and it was a different car and it was yeah. you know my parents were excited be because it was a promotion mm-hmm. so for me I I feel like I had a really positive experience and mm. changing schools every year for me has also I think left me mm-hmm. um, able I, I'm I adapt to situations very easily I can mm-hmm. walk in the same way I can walk into a room and you know make conversation with anybody and mm-hmm. networking doesn't bother me so it's kind yeah. of it's I find it very interesting that you know we still have this parallel we've had this very different experience yeah. but there's still this parallel that comes out of it mm-hmm. so now you said you're a worrier would you consider like is there any like anxiety um, or like any type of like mental health mm. that's come out of this or is it just I mean, this just the the worried mom <laughs> I think for me it's about giving them perfection yeah or what I thought was perfection growing up that I saw other kids had that I didn't have and also accepting that there is no such thing as the perfect parent yeah. or the perfect home um, and I really think that my kids will grow up to be who they were meant to be mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not they moved or had divorced parents or which they don't but I did so I I don't know I'm I'm like this is why I love people's stories this is why I love you know broadcasting and journalism is because I growing up was so inspired by other people Mm -hmm. and I feel like no matter what our our foundation was we will become who we're meant to be just, so did you feel like you would always go into some type of like storytelling or broadcasting? Oh, it, was, yeah. it was in you very early. Yeah, as far back as I can remember, that's yeah. all I wanted. How did you actually get into it? Like, was it, did you, you said you went to a broadcast mm-hmm. um, program at college and then you went directly into CTV. I got lucky. Yeah. And I was very young. Like I said, I kind of fudged how old I was <laughs> to get in the door and because I wanted people to take me seriously mm-hmm. and I was only 19 years old. And then... I didn't actually take journalism. I took broadcasting Mm -hmm. because I thought I wanted to, I didn't have, I knew I would love to be in front of the camera, but I didn't have the self-esteem to do it. So I, so I took broadcasting and then I got into CTV and because I was working on so many different shows, I became friends with producers who said, would you like to try it? And so I got opportunities to try it Mm -hmm. and I knew that's what I really wanted, but I never wanted to admit it. So I learned by doing and I loved it. Um, I got to host a show on Discovery Channel for a while, and everyone was amazing and very supportive. And cool, yeah. So I've been very lucky that way. But I think a lot of that is being an extrovert, which I wouldn't define myself as one, but I was sort of molded into one mm-hmm. by moving around out of necessity. So much. Really, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of your relationship, you sort of touched on it a little bit that you are married, and mm-hmm. you know, you you you're not divorced. Your parents, yeah. you're, you're um, your kids have a a two 
parent household. Yeah. How has your relationship with your husband been affected by your upbringing and mm. kind of where did he fit into the picture? Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that I did when I, when I look back at like, cause now that I'm parenting children, sometimes I, I think about myself as a child and I think, Oh, that's kind of sad. She could, you know, me as a child could have mm-hmm. used that. Um, I think what I did is I aligned myself with people who had families that I really wanted, which is kind of creepy, <laughs> but all of my friends had, you know, big, beautiful homes and, two parents in the home and a lot of normalcy. And so I'd spent a lot of time in their homes, just breathing it in and imagining how I would fit into a life like this, which is how I became a storyteller too. I loved writing because I would write myself into these roles. So my husband comes from uh, a mom and a dad who've been together since they were very young. Um, he has two sisters. They moved twice their whole life. They're strict Catholic. Both of his parents are teachers. Well, they're retired now. So a lot of normalcy. So I think I, I met him and I saw that and I attached myself to him because I was hoping that I would find someone who would give me that normalcy because that's so what he experienced. This, it's really, it sounds like it's the stability mm-hmm. you were looking for. Yeah. And was that, so that was one of the attract, one of the attractions I knowingly there. did that, yeah. but looking back, I think that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how old were you when you guys met? I was 18. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's a long, yes. long term. Yeah, we've been together forever. Oh, that's super cool. Did you guys always know that you wanted to have children? Um, you know, for you growing up as a mm-hmm. quote unquote single child, not really, but yeah. really, um, did that affect your decision into having more than one kid or mm. like, where do the kids fit into this? So I got married when I was 24, which felt really young at the time, but I'd already been with him for six years. Yeah. So I got married and, uh, we didn't, we weren't going to have kids. So we had talked about it and I wasn't interested. I wanted to travel and I had mm-hmm. all these big dreams of moving to New York and <laughs> doing all these really exciting things. So, um, in 2004, my husband took a job in New York, so his company was being transferred over and he took the job and I was so excited. So he had to go over for six months and sort of do the training and figure out mm-hmm. where the company was going and then I would follow. Um, about two weeks before he left, I found out I was pregnant and we weren't trying because we yeah. didn't want children and so that journey began mm-hmm. and I had to get used to that and it changed everything. and. That was my stillborn. That was my first daughter that passed away. And then, so after that happened, it changed everything for me. Then I, all I wanted was children. So my husband came back from New York after the loss and we started trying again. We kept having miscarriage after miscarriage. So I think it's so odd to say this now because it was so painful to go through, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it was a game changer for me. It made me stay home with my children. It made me make totally different decisions than I would have ever made. If it didn't happen the way it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you have two. I have three daughters. You have three daughters. Yeah. I thought you had two. You yeah. have three daughters. And what age, what ages are they now? Uh, 12, 9, and 8. My 9-year-old turns 10 next weekend. That's why I have to really think about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. You've got your hands full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so when, going from not wanting any to yeah, having three. Having three. Yeah. Wow. So once you had your, your first... Uh, Did you immediately know you wanted more after that or? Well, because it was so hard to have her, I don't think we did. Um, I think we got to the point where Ava Ava was two and I thought, okay, I'd like to have another one now and see 
hopefully I don't have any complications. Mm -hmm. And then I had two more miscarriages. And then I got pregnant again uh, with Eden, and I had hemorrhaging and horrible. It was a horrible pregnancy. I was on bed rest, and now I have a three-year-old that I feel guilty (laughs) that I'm not hanging out with. Um, So, yeah. I don't, I guess, I just, I don't like being told no. (laughs) (laughs) You were determined. Yeah, as soon as I hear no, I'm like, "Mm, it's happening. Did, so so before you, when you said you didn't want children, Mm -hmm. do you think that you didn't want children because of, your experience as a child you didn't want to I saw a lot like my dad dated a lot and there was he he didn't have a high level of commitment he had a really Mm -hmm. hard time with that and I think that I was worried about that happening to me Mm -hmm. and I was worried that I would somehow inherited that behavior and I couldn't be monogamous like I was just worried I would destroy these kids lives by what I grew up seeing so I just decided I should just not but my commitment to be as normal as I possibly can to these children <laughs> has kind of impressed me, actually. Very cool. <laughs> um, what, what do your children know about your background and your upbringing? They don't know a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never really wanted to rain on their parade yet. I'm, but, I mean, they can listen to podcasts where I talk about <laughs> it openly or read stories I've written. Yeah. They've just, they're not at an age where... They have the desire to know yet. Right. Yeah. But like you but said. But I talk about it. Like, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed. Right. I know a lot of people have very complicated pasts, mm-hmm. and that's sometimes the reason for their success, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm sort of hearing is you've had all these trials and tribulations in your life, and mm-hmm. but here you are with a you know, very successful long-term marriage. You've mm-hmm. got three wonderful daughters and this yeah. amazing career. I mean, I guess one of the biggest questions you, everybody talks about as a mom is work-life balance. Like, I mean, you've got this amazing career. I know mm. you're back in school. Um, where does work-life balance fit into this picture? Ugh, it's like one day at a time. <laughs> right. Um, but for me, I think it was when I left CTV and I stayed home for a while, I, I became depressed. I knew that I really, I know, like I always do this deathbed thing in my head where I'm like, when I'm on my deathbed, will I look back on this with regret? I will never regret being home with my children. I will never regret having children. Um, But I would regret not chasing some of my own dreams. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started going back to broadcasting and writing. And and so it's exhausting. It's hard. It's really hard when your kids are young. But I know that on my deathbed, I will never regret that I did both at the same time. And So how long were you home with the kids before you went back to your career? Um, I was home five years. Okay. Yep. And then was it you were and in I Kitchener? I had all three children, and then <laughs> my youngest was born. It was probably like within her turning a year, I was like, okay, I got it. I love them, but I really need something else. And the, and you were in Kitchener at this point, so mm-hmm. was that where you, you got back into Rogers TV? Yeah, or? yeah that's yeah. when I started hosting um, Grand River Living. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Great. And then where are you now with your career? Like I said, I know that you're in school. We've, mm-hmm. you know, we were trying to schedule this around you know, yeah. some of your school stuff. So what's, what's going on now? So I'm hosting in studio, which happens mm-hmm. on Mondays, and we're down to three to four uh, interviews a week, which is attainable for me right now. Then I'm full-time school. So I'm taking public relations, which requires a placement. So I'm working Mm -hmm. for Pediatric Oncology Group of Ontario. And I'm writing for Kitchener Today, which is a digital publication, which is powered by 570 News, which is also Rogers. Mm -hmm. 
and I think that's it right now. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> so why mom. why PR? Like it's sort of it seems like you're taking maybe a little bit of a sidestep mm-hmm. to your broadcast trajectory. <laughs> so for a while, I really t- I tried really hard to get back into broadcasting full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my other lines in the sand is I will not take my kids back to Toronto. So I lived in Toronto for ten years. When my eldest was born, we moved back to Kitchener Waterloo because I didn't want, I just wanted her home. This feels like home to me and it's safe. And so I wanted them here. Uh, So when I started doing job interviews, it was full-time Toronto. All the jobs that I was going after, I I would end up in Toronto and there was no, I just, I, I can't be away from them for 60 hours a week, right? Like trying to commute there and back and the stress and then missing out on everything that, you know, I was home for five years, but it'd be easy for them to forget that they were so young. So that was my deal breaker. So then uh, I actually got a um, career coach, a career counselor. Oh, cool. And because I didn't so know like what a to thing do. Now. I know yeah. lots of people who are working with Yeah, I had coaches. someone suggest try it. So I went and I spent like two months doing self assessments mm-hmm. and where do I belong and t- like. Uh, skill tests and stuff to yeah. decide, you know, where can I take these skills and still be happy? And everything pushed me towards PR, which I didn't really even know what it was because when I thought of PR, I thought of Samantha from Sex in the City. And yeah, I was like, yeah, well, yeah. I can't go to New York. I have children. <laughs> um, so uh, I ended up doing more research on what it is, and it's so many things, but the main component of public relations is storytelling, mm-hmm. which is what I'm already doing, and that's what I love. So I knew that. I could be happy as long as I still had that component of communicating, having an audience and telling a story. Amazing. So is this, do you feel like this is, you're in a career transition right now, or this is just an extension on what you've been doing? I feel like I'm just growing. I don't feel like I'm abandoning broadcasting, which I never will. I love it. Um, but there's, I mean, so many different outlets of communications, which you know, because podcasting and writing for a magazine are both, um, it's, it's all different sides of yeah. the same coin, really. So um, right now, I think my focus is I've been doing PR for charities because it feels right to me. And it, I feel like it's a, I'm a good role model to my kids by doing this as well. And I had a friend who lost a son to leukemia, which is how I got involved with pediatric oncology. And I'm still I'm working with influencers, and I'm writing for them, mm-hmm. and I'm at events. So it still feels like everything I love, but with a different purpose now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. To me, you've always seemed like a very positive person. We've we've had quite you know a number of interactions, mm-hmm. but you just always seem like you're smiling and you just have this really positive. And even the way that you talk about your past, you just mm-hmm. have this really like positive spin on everything. Mm-hmm. What what brings that positivity out? Because <laughs> I mean, this could have gone this could have gone a very different way for you and mm-hmm. and the way that your life started. This this could have ended up very differently. Yeah. But where, so where does that positivity come from? I think because I had dreams. Yeah. I really think that what it, that's what it comes down to because, I mean, if you – there's a lot of people in my family that have a very negative look of the way things went when I was younger. But um, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's all about the story for me. And I was able when I was very young to find that focus and to – really dive into other people's struggles and their stories and how they turned it into something positive. And I just, I just convinced myself I was meant to be something bigger and something was supposed to come of all of this. And then I could be a spokesperson on behalf of other people who have painful pasts and stories, whether it be, you know, divorce or miscarriage or whatever it is that I've gone through. I, 
it would mean the world to me to be able to be the voice for those people and, and to help them get past it because I seem normal, but none of us really are, right? No, we all have is? a story. We all have yeah. a past. And, yeah. You know. I really liked one of your Instagram posts and I sort of replicated it with, um, you don't know what's behind the game face. And yeah. Especially somebody like you who's in front of the camera and mm. you, you know, you you know, there's always hair and makeup and there's mm. just this really polished look. But, you know, behind that game face, there's there's a whole lot and of I information back there. That's what makes a really good communicator is empathy, yeah. right? If you don't have empathy for the person sitting on the other side of you while they tell their story, it's not going to be a great interview. And I, I have a lot of people who come on my show and I can see them panicking. I can mm-hmm. see them. It's they've never They've so, never done this. The lights yeah. are bright and they're scared. And so I can read into that because yeah. I've had fear. I know what it's like to walk into a room and be terrified, but put on that brave face. So I can see that and I'm, I'm very good at calming people and bringing them to remember this is just a conversation between yeah. two people. Don't and I worry can, about I the camera. And I can back you up on that because the yeah. first time that I was there, I was like you're nervous you walk into the studio and there's lights and there's people Mm -hmm. there and the big cameras and it's you know I have a degree in journalism and I've I've done broadcast stuff but I haven't done it in yeah you know I graduated I graduated journalism school in 2006 and that was probably the last time I was Mm -hmm. in front of a camera for a broadcast situation so to walk into that studio it's very intimidating yeah but within you know a few minutes of talking you do you have this really lovely way of just calming people down and just mm. reminding them that we're just here to chat. Yeah. So I, I love well, that. And I genuinely you. care about the story you have to tell. And I think that helps, right? When you're sitting with someone that really wants to hear what you're mm-hmm. about to say. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, they're worried I'll trip them up. And I'm, I always say to them, like, you're just talking about what you love. Yeah. So there really is, there isn't a question I could ask you that you can't answer. Oh, that's awesome. If somebody's sitting here listening to the podcast and, you know, they're going through a rough time or they've got, you know, some, some stuff in their past that they're still dealing with, do you have any words of advice or any words of wisdom for somebody like that? Mm-hmm. I would just say that that doesn't define you. Um, it, it's a stepping stone and it's true. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. It also gives you a great sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> yeah. You got a great sense of humor. I, I, humor. I think that's the biggest thing, right? And mm-hmm. also, I think surrounding yourself with people that make you feel better, that, that make you laugh, that make you forget whatever it is that is hounding you or bothering you or mm-hmm. you're insecure about, um, it's really easy to fall into hanging out with the wrong crowd and, yeah. and feeling inferior. I've done yeah. that too. I've chased after people and tried to be friends with people that I just, at the end of the day, I know I don't belong in that crowd. Yeah. So I think it's it's many things. It's it's being your own best friend too, right? Having your own back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And good. like you said on Instagram, it's, it's staying surrounded by people with a very positive voice. Yeah. Because yeah. it's easy to get sucked into the trolls and it the is, negativity. It's, it is. It's, it, yeah, it's like... It's safety in numbers, right? So, if mm. it, but but it goes the other way. Is it's like safety and negativity as well. Yeah. If you're if you guys you know if you meet somebody and you're just sitting there and they're negative and you're negative it's, and you're bouncing off these negative, it. you just it's it's like a yeah. vortex, right? It sucks you in. I but think if, for me, that's been the biggest thing is surrounding myself yeah. with people I would like to be like that make that. me happy and and are good role models to me. Because no matter what age you are, you still you still need role models. Yeah. yeah. Do you have it like, that's a great, do you have any role models? Like who were your, who did you look up to growing up? Or, you know, was it just mm. you? You know, I, I, if I think about who I looked up to most growing up, it would, and I hate saying this because it totally ostracizes everyone else that tried to raise me. I had my grandma and my dad and 
I mean, um, my dad wasn't always in my life, but for some reason, when he walked into a room, he had this thing, like this, this aura that, I don't know, my heart would pound and I just, I adored him and he was confident. And no matter if he had $5 to his name, he looked like the richest man in the room. I, I can't, ex he just, and maybe somehow I inherited that. Like I've, I've had my husband say, because my dad passed away. And so I've had my husband say, yeah, you've got that. Whatever that is, you just, it's fake it till you make it. It's confident. Yeah. I don't know. He just reeked of it. Just calm, cool, casual, everything's going to be great. Big smile on his face no matter what was happening in his life. And then you mentioned your grandmother as well. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was my father's mom. She passed away in her 50s of breast cancer, but she was like my mom. So um, I spent a lot of time with her, and she kind of maybe babied me a little more than anyone else <laughs> in the family because of my situation. And so, yeah, she was, she was a tough lady too. She didn't take any crap, but she was the party planner. And she, you know, she was the actress and she was always singing and she loved an audience. So I always think that's probably where I got a lot of it from. And the confidence in that, like, I don't really show if I'm feeling anxiety mm -hmm. or stress is my dad, 100%. Last question here. Let's kind of round things out. Bring it back to your daughters. Um, what would you say to your daughters, you know, when you know, any words of advice and, and, you know, looking, looking to them and looking at their future and, mm -hmm. you know, what, what the future holds for them. Mm -hmm. What, what, do you have any, you know, my daughter is going to be 13 in May. And I was saying to you before <laughs> we age. started recording <laughs> that life has changed a lot in our house right now. And she's starting to look outwards instead mm -hmm. of internally in her whole fa her family. So what's happening is she's starting, her behaviors are changing because she's looking for recognition from other 12, 13 year olds. And I've really been trying to let go a little bit because I need to, but my message to her is consistently, and now I'm starting with the younger girls too, because I'm like, I only have a few years left before I lose <laughs> them too, is don't forget who you are, right? Don't try to be someone else to fit in because at the end of the day, if you stick to who you are and you know, that's a good person, people will be drawn to yeah. you. That's great advice. Yeah. I, you're, such a, you're such an awesome role model for your daughters. Too, I hope so. so. I, like I said to you, we're all just making it up. Honestly. Right? There's no... We, nobody has any knows? idea what they're doing. Yeah. I said, you're saying that about your 13-year-old. I said it about my three-year-old. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing with this child. Like, no. But <laughs> she's my wild card. You tuck them in at night. Yeah. I always... I, like, it, you never go to bed angry, and that applies to your spouse and your children, right? Mm -hmm. As long as every night there's a story and a tuck in and a kiss and a hug and I love you I think we're doing okay oh, right that's awesome <laughs> I hope that's perfect and you know what that's a great place to wrap things up so awesome. well thank you for having me well thank you so, so much fun. for coming in this yeah, was fun it was flies. nice yeah it does time does fly so yeah. it was it was fun to kind of interview you this time yeah so absolutely get to know you a little bit more mm -hmm. so well thank you so much for joining me and I know you don't have a coffee but I'm going to take one cheers. more cheers for my own <laughs> coffee because this is seriously delicious coffee so mm. thank you so much Thank you.